y'all give it up for Jesus in this house. Give your greatest praise to Jesus in this house. Come on. Come on. What he's done for you enough is to shout for the rest of your life. Amen. Amen. We're excited tonight to, to have my brother in the house. I just hope he keeps his restraint on and don't embarrass me. <laughs> get him, baby, get him. Y'all give it up for Kevin Shelton. Take your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I couldn't believe she sang that song. Man, y'all almost lost me right there. Y'all haven't heard your pastor again this evening. Listen, I'm from East Tennessee. When we get in the Spirit of God, we run a little. We shout a little bit. And we don't try to perform when God's in the house. Took me back a place when I heard him sing that song, Jesus. I went to, I went to this revival. They said, this pastor's coming out of Africa. Pastor Y'all, Y-A-W. He's coming. He's a man of God. It's amazing. So all these people showed up in the middle of Georgia, up on Rock Mountain, Georgia, on the top of the mountain. It was probably a packed house. Pastor's coming. you got to hear him preach. He's amazed. I was like, man, I can't wait to go and hear the pastor. A little girl got up on stage and sang that song. Jesus, Jesus. About two seconds later, everybody in the house was in the altar. Worshiping God and praising God. And we're all like, and all of a sudden God whispered down in my spirit and said, I am the preacher. If you're waiting on somebody to show up and stir you up, you're waiting on the wrong person. It's Jesus. I was gonna, I was gonna preach some lineage uh, tonight. I'm giving you time to find Acts chapter two. All right. Um, I'm from East Tennessee. Like I said, my dad, his name's Ronnie Shelton. He's went on to be with the Lord. Uh, he served on death row for twenty plus years, preaching and ministering the gospel to the worst of the worst of the worst in the state of Tennessee. Prior to that, he was a drunk, an alcoholic. One of the meanest men in the state of Tennessee. Uh, his wife, my stepmom, Debbie, was abused, married to an alcoholic, and living a life that she regretted and hated. But she began to go to a little church in Charleston, Tennessee, got saved, and began to pray for my father to become a man of God. Not a man who went to church. A man of God. Before that, there was my great-great-grandmother who lived in a section house where my father was raised. And she prayed in such a way that the neighbors said four or five houses down, they could hear her praying throughout the night. Four preachers that lived in the proximity of her house became preachers as young boys, but they had the story, all the same stories. When they sit around the yard doing laundry, hanging laundry, they would walk a mile around the house because if she ever seen you coming by, she'd grab hold of you and pray for you. 
So I'm standing here as a lineage. I'm not just standing here because I'm some great man or some great person. I'm standing here because somebody prayed. Somebody went to God on my behalf. And then had enough backbone, gumption, and spirit of God in them to share the truth with me when I needed it the most. Sharing that I didn't need, I didn't need a better life. I didn't need more money. I didn't need help. I needed Jesus. I needed to repent, give my heart and life to Jesus, and things would begin to turn around. I heard that from my dad for about 15 years as he prayed for me up and down through East Tennessee. So I stand here uh, almost like, uh, do y'all know a Bible a character by the name of Salomon? Does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell to anybody? Anybody heard that Salomon before? You know who he is? It's kind of, he's one of the intricate characters in the lineage of Jesus. Salomon married a woman who's very popular in the Bible. Her name is Rahab. Everywhere in the Bible, her name is Proceeded with the word harlot. Except Matthew chapter 1. <laughs> where the harlot's dropped off. And it's just Rahab. When the walls of Jericho fell. Salmon who had a promise. And a thought. And a, and, a, and a desire to go into the promised land. And build him a kingdom. Build him a heritage and a land. To get an inheritance from God and, and make it good. Anybody here ever had some good plans in life? Come on, y'all did. Do y'all have some good plans in life? Life was going well. Life was going good. People looked at you and went, man, I don't like the way they live. Salmon was, well, I mean, he was about to go into the promised land. About to get him everything he ever wanted. And God said, when the walls come falling down, the little dusty Rahab <laughs> walked out. And God said, there's your bride. Not so, Lord. <laughs> I got a plan. I got a plan, Lord. I'm going to find me a nice Jewish girl. I'm going to marry her. I'm going to raise a family. We are going to be prestigious in the land that you have promised us. I can't go in there and marry to some Jesus. I can't do it. God, you know better than this. But my heart. God, I'm going to keep preaching to y'all like I am. But let me tell you this. All but my heart. God, I'll wreck you. Goodness. I hope somebody here right now got a good plan. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to save this much money. I'm going to drive this kind of car. i this kind of wife. I hope God wrecks you up good. I hope he just totally just annihilates your life like that. Because Salmon did marry Rahab. Rahab, I can see her. Can you? Because some of you women see her walking out dust on her head. She had faith. But she didn't know God was that good. Did anybody in here get saved, but you still didn't know God was that good? That you couldn't look over the fence of salvation and look at it and say, how does it work? I'll be honest with you. I live such a wretched life. When I looked over Christianity's fence, I said, how do they have fun? Don't lie. Come on. Some of y'all are so spiritual. I look at what do y'all do for fun? Most of the time I went to church, nobody looked like they had fun. They all looked like they'd been eating lemons their whole life. 
right? Someone goes, I don't know what it is about you, but God's put it in my heart to marry you. She goes, you don't want to marry me. I got a past. I can see Salmon looking over his shoulder. Your past has been demolished to be raised no more. God said, if, if them walls were ever built back, whoever built them back were accursed. So what, what was in the walls stays in the walls. Don't build it back. She had terrible life plans. He had great life plans. And God wrecked them both because he is the life maker. He put them together. And guess what? If you'll, if you'll study the book of Ruth, guess what they did? Just one generation later, they had one of the most prestigious sons in the whole Bible by the name of Boaz. And I believe a lot of times that uh, Salmon would walk around holding his son Boaz. Going, oh boy, when you when you get older, I want you to do me a favor. Don't be like your hard-headed daddy. Be willing to, uh, to resurrect somebody, redeem somebody, love somebody that don't look lovable. When they when you look at them and they maybe come out of another country or another region, you listen to God because He'll put you on the right one, son. I tell you right now, just be willing to redeem somebody. Still going to Acts chapter 2. I promise. And I can see Ruth or Rahab holding little Boaz at night, rocking him. Little Boaz. One of these days, I hope you're like your daddy and you redeem somebody like your daddy redeemed to be. Son, I want you to be a lover. Of broken people. Did you know they're in the lineage of Christ? And a lot of times when you look back at your lineage, you can see some of the characteristics of who you are. But then you can see the characteristics of who Jesus is in them. Can you see those characteristics in you? Amen? Let's get into Acts chapter 2. That's what I was coming to preach. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3. Sorry. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer being of the ninth hour. Peter and John, what a contrast. Old and young. Faith and love. Amen? One always running to do. The other one laying in the bosom of Christ. I can, I can, I can identify with one but can't identify with the other. I can, be making a, I, can, I can win the gold medal one day and then blow it up the next. Amen. I, I can be that one. Say, who do you say that I am? Huh, you are Jesus the Savior. Hey, all right, we're going to Calvary. No, not sir. Get behind me, Satan. Amen. I can be that one who's walking on the water. I'm about to preach it here. Y'all better hold on. I, I can say I can be the one walking on the water. But then all of a sudden, face on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, love on Jesus, walking on the storm. But then all of a sudden, I can look at some stupid little thing. I didn't say a big thing. Something small. Yeah. See, Jesus is letting me walk on the water. I'm having the time of my life showing out in front of my preacher friends. He swung both feet out of the boat. All, all the apostles were in the boat. Everybody, well, he sang. He walked. 
Y'all see him yet? I see the, I see the Bible like a, like a movie. I see Peter go, hey, can I come out there, Lord? Down Thomas, first one, says, you better not do that. <laughs> better not. I wouldn't. Judas says, you're crazy. He said, I want to so bad. I want to so bad. We've been worried about drowning all night. We've been worried about going under all night. I'm going to walk on the thing that he's walking on. I'm going to walk on the thing that was destroying me. I'm going to walk on the thing that he's, he's put under control. He stuck one foot out. Look back. Look at back at all 11 of them. They're all his eyes about that big. He said, guess where I'm going, boys? See you. Man, we need some people like that today. Some people that are not going to stay inside the physical boat. If everybody else is doing this, you should do it too. No, I'd rather be with Jesus in the storm on the water instead of in the comfort zone of the boat. Everybody can ride in the boat. <laughs> can you see? See you boys later. The man got out there looking at Jesus walking on the water. He took his eyes off of Jesus and began to sink. I do the same thing. One little word. One little, so-and-so said this. Elijah called down fire from God. Rahab said, I'm going to destroy you. Rings and hides. We're all like that. I mean, we can be right with God doing the most amazing things. And the devil says, boo, and we go, hi. John, always in the bosom of Christ. If you ever see him, you'd walk in a room. These are room full of men, rugged men, fishermen. People work with their hands. People who live their life. Walked in the room and they'd always sit there. And little John, 15-year-old John, laying there with his head on the breast of Christ. Yeah. And every one of them would say, God, what's wrong with that guy? There's something wrong with that ain't right. I can't identify with that either. I'm just kind of like, no, that's weird. I don't look good with a man just laying on another man's chest like that. Man, be masculine. Don't do that. That's what we've been telling everybody in church for years. That's why men don't pour their hearts out in the presence of God. But every single time you ever find John writing in the Bible, he never calls himself John. He calls himself the one in whom God loved. Because when he got there on the breastplate of Christ, all he could hear was, I love you. What, what I think he should have done, he said, if you boys would get your head right over here and stop talking amongst yourselves and trying to find out who the greatest is, you would find out this man is everything we need. We need to be led by some of the youngest ones of us. Because the old ones, we've got so stubborn, hard-headed, and stuck in our ways that we won't listen to somebody who will just say, why don't we just ask Jesus? Why don't we just pour our hearts out to Jesus? Why don't we just do what Jesus wants us to do? Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. I get people all the time when I preach the book of Acts and say, we need to get back to old time, the old-fashioned church. What you're talking about is 1950-something. You want to get back to old-timey, old-fashioned church? Let's go back to Acts. Chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, any of the chapters of Acts. What Acts does, it gets you in trouble. It puts you in the front, in the face of a lost and dying world. And if you do it right, they will hate you. At the same time, you will see multitudes of people being saved. 
The reason the church is not as effective as it has been in the past is we are not willing to go, go into a lost and dying world and be hated. When you read that, when I read that, I preached this. When I first come up as a preacher, I preached this. Everybody needs to go to the house of God in time of prayer. I was so wrong when I preached that. These guys were going to a Jewish temple to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified to people who were still under the law. They were going to be in a war. They were on their way though. Some of you guys, listen, I want to encourage you today. Don't get mad at me. Just get mad at the Word of God. Go when God sends you. I don't care how bad it scares you. I don't care if you think you're going to lose everything you got. Take that first step and then follow it up with the next step. Peter and John, two people who didn't belong together, were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer because they were going to tell them, no more sacrifices, no more law, come to Jesus. And on their way, praise God, on your way, God will meet you on the way. He always gives you something on the way. Come on. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate. Should have made that a wall. <laughs> Sorry. It's ABD. At the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask alms. And Peter, fasting his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. Notice something different about the old church, the new church. We look away. They look at it. Not only did they look at it, they said, look at us. A lot of times in the church, we say, listen to us. We don't say, look at us. He said, look on us. I see your problem. I see your situation. You look at me, I've got a solution to the problem. Guys, I hate to tell you this, but we got the solution to the problem. We have the answer to the world's problems. It's the same answer, the same gospel to every person. People have asked me, how do you minister to this group? And how do you minister to that group? And how do you witness to this group? Same, same, every time. It's Jesus Christ and crucified. Repentance of your sins, asking Him to be the Lord of your life. Look for the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. That means He's making you a different creature. The old man is dying and a new man is in there. And when He talks, you go, what are you talking about? When I got saved, there was a still small voice got on the inside. And when it spoke, it didn't yell, it didn't scream. It just said stuff so radically different. I didn't know who that was. I lived my whole life doing certain things. And I would go, I'm about to go do the things that I've always done. And there's a still small voice. And I just go, no, we're going to do something different. Who are you? And when did you get here? August 28 of 04. You elected me king of your life. Governor over all, all of your mind. The war has been won. And we are going to be fighting battles from the top down until you go home. You'll get that when you get about halfway home. We're going to be fighting wars till you go home from the top down. Amen. I got your mind right. The helmet of salvation. I'll be working on the other places. Everything in your body that fights against the will of God. And don't act all spiritual. You got wars going on the inside of you. Even if you're the oldest one here. And definitely if you're the youngest. Look at us. And he gave heed unto them. Expecting to receive something of them. Hallelujah. The world wants something. Preacher approach about this. They want something. We just gonna give them something they ain't expecting. They expecting an answer through money, through something that's gonna bless them. But praise God, you gotta give them Jesus first. 
Amen. You got to touch them with the love of Christ, and then you got to hit them with the gospel. Amen. You got to say, "Here's a need that will fix the need, but here's the one that's going to fix your heart all together." Then Peter said, "Silver and gold, <clears throat> I love this. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, <laughs> rise up and walk." Yeah. Is that better than silver and gold? I think the church now, we got too much money and not enough power to raise somebody up off the ground. Amen? We can fill up the gas tank, buy them groceries, but we can't say in the name of Jesus. Whew. Whoa, it's me. I love this right here. This man sitting there going, please give me. Have you ever tried to get, have you ever tried to get the hand of God instead of the mind of God and the face of God? When I was lost, I'd always try to get the hand of God. Here, here's the big hand of God. God, get me out of trouble. God, get me out of this. Rescue me, God. Or, oh God, if you can just give me a couple hundred bucks to get me through this thing, to this where I get a place where I don't lose my job, don't lose my car, don't lose my house. The man, I was seeking what was in his hand, in his pocket. And I wasn't looking at his face. If you'll seek his face, you'll know whether to ask for what's in his hand. You'll get that later too. Yeah, that'll sink in later. Some of y'all oh yeah. Wait a minute, if it's face, when I know to ask something, when I go to ask in the spirit, I don't know, don't ask, that ain't good for me. Or you'll ask sometimes and you'll say, oh, I'm supposed to ask. You'll get it, you'll get it. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. No rehab. Ain't that amazing? The people in the Bible lived with no rehab. No, no, didn't go anywhere to get well. They just stood up and started working. Amen. All the bones, all the muscles, all the sinew just come flying together, and all of a sudden they're out walking around. Nobody's helping them. Nobody's doing anything. I love the little woman, the little girl that would die, 12 year old girl died. Y'all remember her? They went down to the house. I'll preach this everywhere I go. They went down there and they said, Daddy went and got him and said, Jesus, come to our house. My girl's dying. Little woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years, stopped her for a minute, touched the hem of the garment. 12 years, 12 years, right? One was 12 years old, one had an issue of blood for 12 years, and she was on the way, and then somebody stopped her by halfway home. Hey, 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 don't waste his time. She's dead. Jesus said, Keep walking. Keep walking. I got this. I got down to the house. Got down there, and there's some people mourning, and they said, She's dead. She said, no, she's not. They began to laugh. She said, get out. I love that. I got the gift. He's got the gift of aggravation. I got the gift of goodbye. <laughs> hey, some people like say, see you. I'll help you with the door. I don't need you. I do. I, I can tell some people goodbye. Don't hurt my feelings or nothing. Hope you find a better life, better church, better everything. See you later. Bye. You know? <sighs> that scares some of y'all. That's the truth. They was in there, they was laughing at Jesus. Oh, you can't get out. Guess what? They raised that girl from the dead. She got up. You know what they fed her? Steak. <laughs> it's in the Bible. I didn't make it up. They said, go get the girl a steak. She's dead. She wakes up. And I'd like to have a T-bone, please. Medium rare, if you would. You know how hard it is your body if it's been dead to digest? I mean, you your body being a weak state. If Jesus touches you, he'll strengthen you beyond your measure by what you can think or imagine. Right. 
He took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Verse 8. He leaping up. He did about five things right here. That nobody in this room, if you're saved, should stop doing. Right. And he leaped up, stood, walked, entered into the temple, walked and leaping, leaping, praising God. You ain't got to do them all at the same time or in that specific order, but you should never stop doing it. Listen, we should never stop walking for Jesus. I don't care what else you do. Get you a steady walk for Jesus. I don't care if you run and shout and praise and holler and do backflips. Praise God. Walk it out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, Saturday when everybody else is seeing you and the church is not. Have a good walk for Jesus. Amen? Walk in the temple every once in a while. Walk, walk in the house of God. Like, I, I said this. I threw this in there earlier. Y'all didn't hear it. They should have built a wall instead of a fence. That old boy laid out there every day. There's people who are laid out in the streets who can see this church. They watch it. There's people out here watch this church. They think you're crazy. Y'all are crazy. Excited about this church? Y'all didn't disappoint. I was like, well, they better live up to that name. Y'all do. Y'all do. But they some people. They love y'all. You know what this old boy did? He laid out there and he said, if I ever get in there, I'm going to have me a time. Yeah. They should have built them a wall because they don't even know how to worship. <laughs> if it's God, they know he's so good, he's so powerful. They don't act like it. He ever touches me, I'm going to go in there and cause a scene. Yeah. <laughs> I can see him. I mean, they're cold, bitter, angry. Right. Man, if I ever get in there, they're going to have to throw me out. Well, I can see them right now. If they ever let me in there. If I could walk, I'd go in there and show myself. And all of a sudden, Peter reached down, grabbed and picked, picked up. See, God is so good. Is he allowed them to pick up a miracle on the way to their battle? It's hard to argue with a, with a miracle. It's hard to argue with somebody who's a walking, talking, breathing miracle. When you walk in with somebody they've been paying off to stay outside, praise God, when he's in there with you, praising and leaping and shouting and raising a raising cane for Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh my gosh, what can we say? So y'all should have got you a wall. I seen how y'all did church. He's in there leaping, leaping, leaping. In a Baptist church, let somebody leap three times. <laughs> Security would be like, that brother walked everywhere. I want you. He leaped three times. Let me, let me tell you something about leaping. If you ain't walked in a while, you'll leap. We've been walking too long. That's why we don't leap no more. Praising God. Well, why would I praise God? Well, because, see, y'all been singing these songs. He went from a beggar on the outside to a healed man on the inside. What else can you do? We act, we act, we act like we belong. We act like, well, I've been saved. I, I love him. I got saved 20 years ago. I got saved 15 years ago. Where's your lead? Where's your walk? Where's your shout? Where's your prayer? 
he was on he was on fire. What about you? Yeah. What about us? What's wrong with us? The evidence, I mean, man, he walked in the room. They knew something had changed in his life. He is no longer laying outside the, the, the gate called beautiful. Gate called beautiful. Come on, I bet you ask him, is that gate beautiful? No, it's awful. Yeah. What we call beautiful is ugly. What's beautiful is we walking and running and shouting and praising God. That's what's beautiful. That is about to go home. <laughs> That's what's going to be beautiful. Could you imagine when we got home after that service? The people who used to carry him down to the temple. He met them at the door. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't worry about picking me up no more. I've not been picked up by Jesus. Jesus picked me Hey, Chris. Jesus picked me up right after you dropped me off. <laughs> I bet you never thought I'd be back down here. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear his testimony when we get to heaven. Would you? Oh, praise God. I, I bet he never walked anywhere again. She just, I was running. <laughs> Sorry. And they knew that it was he which sat at the, at, sat at the for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that, at that which had happened to him. Is anybody filled with wonder and amazement at what's happened to you? When I got saved in August 28 of 04, I ran into some of my friends a year later, five years later, yeah. and then 10 years later, and the same response grew greater and greater and greater. Come on. What had happened to you? We know who you are. We know what you were about. What happened? Has anybody ever asked you that question since you've been saved? What happened to you? Because when Jesus saves you and gets in the inside of you, he changes you so radically. It's called repentance. It's a 180 degree turn. Who you were, you're not anymore. What you used to love, you hate. What you hate, you used to, now you love. I remember the first time me and my wife, we went to a basketball game after I got saved. I've been saved about two years and I was beginning to share my testimony and I was kind of getting on fire with God. And I ran around with all these dudes and we were really rough and wild and doing all this stuff. And we came to this basketball game and I couldn't parse out Jesus and the world anymore because I didn't know the difference because there wasn't one. I remember walking into this basketball game and I ran into this guy and I confused him with a church guy. He wasn't a church guy. He was an old friend I used to use drugs with and get high with and go, go and get in trouble with. And I was like, hey, brother, God bless you. Good to see you. Hallelujah. And I walked up there and sat down with my wife. My wife goes, hey, Kevin. I was like, what? That's not a church guy. Oh, who was it? I think that you used to run around with him back in the day. Really? I didn't know. Well, he's sitting down at the other end of the gym right now, and he's looking at you like a calf looks at a new game. He don't know what to do about you right now. And I did. I was like, really? Where's he at? He's like, right down there on the other gym. And he's down there looking at me like that. I mean, his kids playing ball. His whole family's there. He's looking like <laughs> So what did I do? I walked down there and I said, what's going on, man? 
First, first words out of his mouth. What happened to you? I said August 28th of 04. I was at my home in Chatsworth, Georgia. And there was a little boy who lived down the street. Every day I would come home from work. I would drive in. And as I was coming in there, these three boys would run out to the end of their driveway and wave at me. And they would look like they had been cut out of cookie cutters. It was one about 10, blonde hair, blue eyes, every one of them. The 10-year-old would run out to the end of the driveway and begin to wave. And he'd stick his hand out and he'd catch about the 7-year-old. And the 7-year-old would be in there waving. And about the time a two-year-old would run up beside him and they'd stick his hand up, catch him, and I'd drop by real slow and wave at him. I remember driving around the corner about, it was a Saturday, August 28th of 04, we're all having a yard sale at my house, sitting out in the front yard, me and my whole family's there, having time in my life. God's been blowing me up, trying to get me saved, trying to call me into doing what he wants me to do, and I'm relentlessly not going to turn my life over to God. And about that time, I heard a call from down the street. It said, He's been ran over. Does anybody know CPR? Can anybody help? So I take a dead sprint because uh, there's something in me. I'll run to trouble. I don't know what it's in me. I don't know why it is. I've never been in a fight in my life. It's been about my own. It's always been defending somebody else. That's my nature. I jump off the porch. I run down there. We get to the house. And I look at the house. They said, the dog. And I said, thank God. And all of a sudden, one comes. It ain't the dog. It's the little baby. He's been ran over. Does anybody know CPR? I ran in the house. Got on top of the boy and started breathing and doing compressions. A dog come out of nowhere and jumps on my head. I'm still doing the compressions. All of a sudden, I look down at him and he's gone. I got up and I started walking out of the house. And I'm like, good Lord. I'm, I, then I'm kind of the shocks kind of kicking in of what's happened and who it is. His grandmother had ran over him by accident. I walked down the street. My wife met me. And then she said, Kevin, what's going on? I said, this little boy down the street has got run over. And I was sitting there. I, could, I felt myself trying to get the blood off his hand, off my hands. I was kept scrapping. I'm like, i got to get this blood off my hands. And I got back up to my house. And I walked to my kitchen, walked to my living room, walked to my bedroom. I'm about to walk into the bathroom, turn the water on. And I hear this voice that said, you've got more blood on your hands than that. And I stopped. And I said, who? What? He said, you've known about me your whole life. And your wife and your son and your daughter do not know me. And it's on you. See, my son had been born. He was six months old. And God knew right where to hit me. I was an arrogant, prideful man. But he gave me something I loved more than myself. Finally, and I walked in that living room and my son lay asleep on the couch and I, and I looked at him and I said, I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, what in the world? What is happening? And all of a sudden I looked at him and said, he's fine. I walked back to the bedroom and about that time the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I gave him to you. I will take him away. I ran in listening to him and all of a sudden he said it again. I gave them all to you. Your wife and your kids. You either change, repent, and make me your Savior. Or this is it. I took one step into my bedroom and I fell on the floor 
in a little old house in Chatsworth, Georgia. I fell in the floor and I began to repent. I called out every sin that I'd ever committed. And I wasn't trying to get saved. I was trying to disqualify myself from ever being saved. I got down to the end and I started telling God the things that I was thinking about doing. This is who I am, God. This is who you're getting. And he said, keep them coming. Keep them coming. We're almost there. Keep repenting. We're almost home. Yeah. And then I started saying, God, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. How could you want me? How could you need me? And then I started saying, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I got up that day, and you man didn't even know it. I got up a brand new man. I got saved. I walked outside to my house, and, and my wife was going, what's, what's going on? What's happening? I can hear you in there. And I'm like, I'm, I'm saved or something. She goes, what's that mean? I said, I really don't know. I'm just different. She said, and she knew right away that I was different. You know why? Because she said, tell me about it. I said, I can't. You just have to watch and see. She did right then. Because I could tell her I was going to do better. But I could never show her. I remember the biggest evidence right after that. August I got saved. October my wife got saved. Shortly after that my daughter got saved. Shortly after that my son got saved. And guess what? God's been using me to reach a bunch of people around this world and I still can't believe it. But I remember the day when my wife finally got it. And there's where I'm going to call it. Y'all come on. Here's where, here's where it got good. I was a big cusser. <laughs> I was an artistic cusser. I loved to cuss. Could string them together. And my wife, for some reason, I believe she sets things up in my house as an obstacle course to see if I can run into them. That's just who she is. I love her. I'm not changing it. I'm not mad anymore. I'm just getting good at making it through the obstacle course. She bought, She had this little antique desk that belonged to her mother. And she would set it in the most weird places. I hope she's not watching. She's heard this story a hundred times. It don't matter. And every once in a while, I would bump into it. And it hit you like Good knee high. I mean, right into the right in the joint of your knee, and it would. I would cuss and punch walls and make a big scene. I remember about two weeks after I got saved, I plowed that thing good, and I was like, I rolled into the bedroom, fell down on the bed, and began to laugh like a crazy man. <laughs> She said, what's wrong with you? I said, they won't come out. <laughs> the words are gone. My heart's different. <laughs> out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. What's happened to you? Have you heard that since you've been saved? Has your friends at school said What's happened to you? The people at your work, do they go, what happened to you? The people in your church, do they go, man, what happened to you? 
You're not bitter anymore. You're not angry anymore. You're not petty anymore. It's almost like you want to be a part instead of being against. That's a challenge. Are you different? Are you saved? The next part, if you're saved, what are you doing for the kingdom of God? Because I don't know anybody that ever got saved that God didn't send to the world. Right. With their gifts and talents and abilities. Let's all stand. If God's been dealing with your heart throughout this message, and you've never heard that before, what happened to you? What happened to you? Maybe some of y'all are sitting here on a profession of faith, but nothing's really changed. Attitudes haven't changed. Words haven't changed. Actions haven't changed. The things that you love, you still love. And the things that you hate, you still hate. Let me ask you. Have all things become new? Are you a new creature? In Christ Jesus. As they sing tonight, if you have never been saved, or you've got a profession and no possession, would you make your way up here and pray tonight? And if you are saved, would you come up and ask God this simple little prayer? Here I am, God. Send me. Here I am, God. Send me. Send me this lost and dying world. Send me to the places that will scare me to death. But I'll see your miracles working. Here I am, God. Send me. As they play, come. If you need help praying, I'll pray with you. I know there will be others who will meet you as well.